0: to be with you all this morning Uh, uh, my name is Addison Weaver uh, and I am one of first of all just express my thanks uh, and uh, my gratitude to this church to this body um, for the little bit of history that I know and the people that I've met Uh, I am grateful uh, for the work that God is doing through this body for the way the spirit is moving it has been moving for years and how it has blessed many to come and blessing the work that is being done in many parts of the world, many parts of the country, many parts of everywhere, of all of God's creation. And I want to express uh, my thanks to you. Um, I also want to bring greetings, uh, kind of following, I guess, following the Pauline method, if you will. I've been on some travels for the last two weeks. And so I bring you greetings from the church in San Antonio, Texas, uh, from Waco and Temple and uh Fort Worth, and Dripping Springs, and San Marcos, and New Braunfels, Texas, from Fayetteville, Arkansas, Little Rock, North Little Rock, Searcy, Arkansas, Memphis, Nashville, Tennessee, and so many other places in between, the Spirit of God is moving, and I bring greetings to you, and we are blessed uh, to share in the body of Christ together, amen? Well, I am thankful and grateful, Uh, I am grateful for the invitation, the opportunity to be here with you this morning uh, as we as I share some of the things that God has been doing in our lives and also just share some of the ways that God is moving and the Spirit, uh, is moving in all that is uh, being done. But before we do that, I would like to say a prayer, uh, and then we can uh, share in God's way this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, this morning, my prayer is simple. God, I pray that your Spirit moves in this place. Uh, God, I pray that your presence is known um, and felt. And God, I pray that your words are spoken this morning, not through anything that I am doing, God, but I pray that I will be set aside any thing that is in the way of the word, Father, that you would like to be spoken this morning. God, I pray that your spirit works uh, through the message that is brought, that your word becomes alive to us this morning. Um, God, we are so grateful and humbled um, by the life of Jesus, by the way that our faith grows each and every day. Uh, God, and we fall more deeply in love with you. And God, even in the times of struggle or monotony, God, we turn to you and see your faithfulness through our lives time and time again. And I pray that we will see that, be reminded of that. And I pray this morning that your spirit will move. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Well, as, whoa, got real also. My bad. <laughs> as Michael mentioned uh, earlier this morning, um, we are partnered with an organization uh, called uh, Cairo's Church Planting. When I say we, I'm using the proverbial we of me and my wife. She's not able to be here with me this morning. Uh, she could not take that amount of time off of work. She was home with our two little girls. Braylon and Evelyn, who are in second grade and kindergarten, which is great because this is the first year they're both off at school full-time, and it's like, I feel like freedom has just gotten a whole new meaning in many ways, Uh, and we are excited uh, for the work that they are doing and also for our family, but uh, we are excited uh, to be on this new journey. Um, So this is a a step where we felt called uh, towards church planting. for starting new churches for new people in new places, which is the mission of Kairos. Uh, And we really started this journey about two years ago And the last two years has really been a blessing, but we only took that full-time step. We've been having conversations during that time. Uh, During the fall of last year, uh, we stepped away from full-time ministry in the church context within which we had been for about 10 years. And we are now on this journey of starting a new church in an area called Halton City, which I will talk more about uh, later on in our time together this morning. Um, but it's a journey where we've seen God working in our hearts, but not only that, a journey of seeing how God is already moving in the areas and the spaces that we may not have already been aware of, but we are learning as we have conversations and as we have a relationship uh, with many people. And so the question for from many people is, why Hultum City? Halton City is a municipality, it's a small area in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex in North Texas, and when I share that with people, uh, many begin to ask questions, and I'm assuming that it's questions that may be familiar with you guys in this area. Does Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex really need another church? Uh, And I know that that's a question that also happens with, like, does Nashville, Tennessee need another church? Because it seems like you're driving everywhere and there's churches on every avenue, on every corner, and every place. And the simple answer that I give is, yes, yes, there is a need. The issue is, are we going to the right places? Are we going into the places that God is calling us? And Haltom City is an area in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Mexico place. It's a community um, that's kind of in an in-between. It's a story where it is not in the urban center of the Fort Worth uh, downtown area, but it's also quite not out in the suburbs where you have a lot of resources, you have a lot of movement and a lot of growth, but it's an area that's kind of right in the middle living in two worlds, where they're not quite urbanized, but they're not quite middle class. And it's a community that they've seen a lot of resource in areas that have left over the years and we have felt the call to go in and be a part of the community that is already present. Uh, and so that's just a little bit of geographical information about Alton City. But I wanna share a message this morning that has really been gripping mine and Vicki's hearts. Vicki is my wife, um, that has led us uh, on this journey. And so one of the things um, that has been on our hearts is this idea of the closeness and the nearness of God. So I've grown up in church pretty much all my life. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, in a a church community that I was part of from the time that I was born to the time that I was 18 years old and left uh, for college. And during that time, I learned about God. I learned about Jesus. I learned about all the good things that a good Christian boy should be and do and act and all the ways that Uh, go into that, but I don't know that I actually experienced God and relationship with him until after I left that space, and it wasn't that there wasn't well-intentioned meaning, but I didn't experience who God was, even though we talked about him, even though we shared about him, even though I grew up in a Christian family, I didn't experience God until later on. And so this idea of how do we draw near to God has always been one that I've wrestled with throughout my life. And when I turn to scripture and I begin to look at the ways that God has moved the Bible and moved through human history and moved through the lives of others, it's clear that it's important to him that he draws near to us and that we draw near to him. I mean, it's built in right from the very beginning as he begins to reach out to His people who have been lost, and we read in Exodus uh, chapter 33, it says that the eternal one, that God, he said, my presence will travel with you and I will give you rest. And he did this in the form of he set up these uh, arrangements to where he would be able to be amongst his people through the Ark of the Covenant, that he wanted to create this setting to where he could be with his people, amongst his people, which is completely foreign during the time of this of these writings, of these ancient writings, because most civilizations, most gods of other nations, they were distant. They had no desire. Anytime that they came to be amongst people, it was so that those people could benefit them. It was so that they could, get, they could take the resources of humans so that where they were off in their faraway places to benefit them, but not this God, it was different. This God wanted to come and be simply amongst his people. We see how that continues throughout the Old Testament and then comes in, into fruition in the New Testament when we see God become flesh. And the gospel writer John, when he is telling the story of Jesus, starts off his gospel writing this way in chapter one. He says, Jesus, God, took on flesh and became human and chose to live chose to live alongside us. We have seen him enveloped in undeniable splendor, the one true son of the father, evidenced in the perfect balance of grace and truth. Through uh, through this man, we all receive gifts of grace beyond our imagination. You see, Moses gave us rules to live by, but Jesus, the anointed, offered us gifts of grace and truth. God unseen until now is revealed in Jesus God's only son, straight from the Father's heart. We see that straight from the heart of God was always this idea of being near, being present with his people. And not just people who do the right things, but all people. Even when there is sin involved, even when there are mistakes, he's doing everything he can to attempt to draw closer to the heart of people, even when people may not necessarily want that or desire that. Uh, about a week ago, I was at a conference. It was a conference over um, racism in the church and talking about race, uh, uh, racial justice and uh, healing and within the church and spaces that there's still work to do. Uh, and there was a lot that we talked about that weekend that was hugely beneficial and a blessing. But there was one speaker that said a phrase that was that I couldn't get rid of. It haunted me for about a week. In, in all the challenging ways that you need good things to haunt you. Uh, there was a speaker, his name is Jamar Tisby. He's been, he's written a couple of books um, that are on the New York bestsellers list, such as How to Fight Racism and The Color of Compromise. And he's a historian that has walked through, he's both a brother in Christ and also in the field of history and showing like and tying in how do we become better well, through his practice of sharing some of the stories throughout our time. But he said this phrase, he said, Proximity creates empathy. And within his context of where he was sharing this in his message, it was the idea that being close to people different than us, that are unlike us, that we may not know the stories of, proximity, nearness to them, creates empathy. That it is difficult to manufacture empathy without proximity. And that began to register in my mind and float in my mind of, what does that look like within our faith? We know that we as Christians, as people who follow God, as people who are exploring this idea of who God is and Jesus is, we know that we are called to be in the lives of others and to draw near to others. But when I reflect back on my life at different instances, I look and see how often I haven't done that. And it's not because there haven't been well-intentioned meanings of wanting to draw near to people that are different, or in other locations, or that experience stories differently than I do. But I look back and just see that I haven't drawn in proximity to people. Proximity creates empathy. And about six years ago this became really clear to me and this is a and, and I couldn't have put these words to it at that time, but I reflect back on a season where I was working in a uh, church culture, the church that I had been a part of, uh, where I had been present for a couple of years at that point in time. And there was a season where I was growing really frustrated because I had been working at the church for three or so years. And I remember talking with a ministry friend at the time, a close mentor, and just expressing my frustration. It's a safe place where I could just kind of come and just word vomit all over the feelings that uh, I'm having at that time. And I remember coming in and just saying, you know, in our context, like we have this, a group of elders leading, And I just remember being frustrated. I've been here three years and I feel like I don't know these guys. I feel like they don't know me. And I've been present and I just remember complaining about you know, there's over 10 of these leaders and I've only been in the homes of like one or two of them. And I just remember talking about like how I was so mad and so frustrated and how they just make life difficult and they are just such, like they make everything. They can't listen to the ministers or when I say this or when I say that, and I just remember complaining about everything and i feel feeling justified in my anger and I'm talking to him who's also a fellow minister. I'm like, you get it, right? And sharing all these things and I remember just saying, they are just so frustrated, and after he gave me the grace and the space to share these things, he just whispered one thing, this one phrase. Of talking, he says, I, "I want you to stop and reflect on the last ten minutes and think about when you have been referring to those group, that group of leaders." Have you been seeing them as a collective group? Or have you been seeing faces and names? He said, because the entire time you've been talking, all I've heard you say is they. And at the time I remember feeling this huge conviction of I was referring to this group and this they of separation over there that I had robbed them of their humanity. I removed the dignity of what it means for them to be human. This is what I had done in my head and my heart. I didn't like hearing it, I needed to hear it. And you may be able to relate in other circumstances where you think, where you are thinking of others in a way that robs them of their humanity, but in that moment, and talking with and reflecting with this mentor, I resolved, it's not just on others' responsibilities to draw close, but I can draw close. And I made a commitment that I'm going to go and get to know these leaders. And over the course of the next six months, I set up lunches, I set up coffees where I was, hey, let's go get, uh, let's uh, talking to, let's up this lunch with this leader, and then with this one. And over time with each of these elders, We began to have relationship. We didn't talk about anything vastly important, we just talked. But that proximity of relationship began for me to understand there's a lot of challenges that go into what they're leading. There's a lot of things that they're thinking that I wasn't even aware of. There's actually a lot of agreement that we have, but because we haven't been in proximity with one another, we haven't been able to build upon that sharedness. And then I begin thinking, where else do I see this in my life where I am keeping distance between others and not following the calling of God to be in proximity with others and with people? One of mine and my wife's anchor verses since that time is from the Hebrew writer and the letter to the Hebrews, a, a letter written to many uh, Christians all around the Uh, World at that time to share about who Jesus is and about how he is fully God and fully man and in chapter 2 the Hebrew writer writes this since we the children excuse me are all creatures of flesh and blood Jesus took on flesh and blood so that by by dying he could destroy the one who held power over death the devil and destroy the fear of death that has always held people captive. So notice, his concern here is not for the welfare of the heavenly messengers, but for the children of Abraham, for men, for women, for humans. Jesus had to become as human as his sisters and brothers so that when the time came, he could become a merciful and faithful high priest of God called to reconcile a sinful people. Since he has also been tested by suffering, he can help us when we too are tested. Proximity creates empathy. And I haven't always thought about that when I think about the God of the universe. That right here is spelled out in order for him to relate to us, to have empathy for, with us. God had to become like us. Proximity creates empathy. And yet when I look back on my life and following the pathway of God, how often I have not intentionally made the choice to seek to be close with others, that I tend to remain in my own echo chambers, in my own comfort, in my own people group. I, about two years ago, referenced about how we felt this calling into going out, into a new phase of ministry. We were reading another one of, at at the beginning of every year, uh, to give a little bit of context, in January, my wife and I will sit down and we will reflect back on and look at where is God calling us? We will discern and have a season of, like, is he calling us into something different in where he is uh, taking us? And most of the time it's to continue faithfully serving in the context we're in, but about two years ago, in 2021, we were reading through several of our verses that we read through regularly, and one of them is John chapter six, in which Jesus is talking about a lot of things. About it, we may be some of you may be familiar with saying that I am the bread of life. All who are hungry, all who are thirsty, all who are weary can come to me, and they can find rest. And this is what Jesus says: um, "Jesus, I am said I am the bread that gives life. If you come to my table and eat, you will never go hungry. Believe in me, and you will never go thirsty." All that my father gives to me comes to me. I will receive everyone. I will not send away anyone who comes to me. And this is something that we have started, tried to live by all of our lives, whether we are working in youth ministry with teens and creating safe places for them to be able to come and find rest with no judgment or condemnation, whether we are working in small groups and adult discipleship. We want it to be a safe place for all people to ask questions with no condemnation. But the next part of this passage is what wrecked us and changed us two years ago. Because Jesus continues that he says, and here's the reason I do those things. I have come down from heaven, not to pursue my own agenda, but to do what he desires. I am here on behalf of the father who sent me. He sent me to care for all he has given me so that nothing and no one will perish in the end. On the last day, he wants everything to be resurrected into new life. So if you want to know the will of the father, know this. Everyone who sees the son and believes in him, will live eternally. And on the last day, I am the one who will resurrect him. And for one of the first times in our lives, this theme of sentness began to change us. Because all of our lives, we had been finding ourselves in the circumstances we were in and waiting for people to come and find that rest. But the reason Jesus provides that rest is not because he waited for others to come, but instead he went to so that they could find him. And we began to feel this call. As I said, we actually live in the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex already, but the church and the area that we have been serving and working with for the last 10 years, up until about four months ago, was far out in the suburbs. <coughs> Excuse me. Like most metropolitan areas, Fort Worth is, has a downtown area and it has a large loop that goes around it where there's a major highway, and we have been far outside that loop, about five to ten miles outside of that. And about five or six years ago, my wife and I we moved into a new house that was just inside that loop. The area we've been serving is an area called North Richland Hills, but now we lived in an area close to uh, what they call Richland Hills, uh, separate municipality, uh, and Halton City. We didn't know much about Halton City, and up until two years ago, we still didn't know a lot. In many ways, there's neighbors, there's close proximity between these towns, between these areas, but they're the tale of two completely different worlds. Even though we were only about five minutes from Halton City, working with a church about just 15 to 20 minutes away, most of the people that we were worshiping with in uh Serving up in NRH, North Richmond Hills, uh, came from the north because they had the resources and the means to come down there and be a part of it. It was an upper middle class uh, suburban neighborhood. And as we began to learn more about Halton, we began to see that the poverty rate is more than twice that of every single neighboring community, the diversity is more than twice that of any single neighboring community right next door. That we had been present for 10 years and knew very little about the community because we had not made the intentional choice to be a part of the community and learn about them. So when we began this journey, I remember a very spirit-filled moment When we began discerning, God, we know that you are sending us. Two years ago, reading that verse, God, we know that you are sending us. Where are you sending us? I mean, we were ready to go on the foreign mission field, move to another state, move to someplace else. We were ready to follow wherever that may lead. And there was one day I was driving out, being haunted by that question. I saw a water tower. And in the way that I can only describe it as a Holy Spirit moment, there was a question that just said, Addison, what if I'm calling you to your own backyard? And the water tower was the Halton City Water Tower. It has a nice giant buffalo on top of it, which is the uh, mascot for their high school. So we began talking with the residents, talking with work that is already being done there with the nonprofit organizations that are serving it, talking with school officials and city leaders and community leaders all throughout, and quickly recognized that we are being called to come and be a part of the community in Halton City. And so then I returned to this idea when I was listening to Jamar a week ago. Proximity creates empathy but I think it's more than that because we had been close in some ways. We were only five to 10 minutes from the community. The church that we were working with was only about 25 minutes, 25, 25. So we were close, but it's more than just the proximity. It's also the humility of action that needs to take place. And so we stepped out in faith and began this journey with Kairos, and we are now full-time in being a part of the community, where we are meeting friends like Daniel and Ethan and Gabriella and Valeria, names of people that for so long remained just that community, just them. And we've now stepped out where we are beginning to meet and starting these small Bible studies and missional communities with these friends and learning their story of how, whereas I have the resources and means to be able to go to a grocery store that's just two miles away. For me, it's just a couple minutes. But these are many families that, they have some resources, but resources may be more limited than mine. And while I have a plethora If I just go a little bit further north of choosing for my top five grocery stores, there may be only two grocery stores in all the area of Halton City. And they may not have access to a vehicle to be able to get to that uh, supermarket until after the primary breadwinner gets home at seven o'clock at night. And so there's a challenge that they have that I don't experience and I don't know that until I'm listening and sitting down over a cup of boba tea with new friends. Proximity may create empathy, but humility and the action that is forced to humility creates community. So what does this look like for us? I don't know that there's an action that each and every one of us needs to take I don't think There's one action It may be different for each, of you for each of us. You may have a heart for a people group or for missions, and that can lead to some level of empathy. But we see a lot of pain in our world and a lot of things going on. And we can have proximity of mind where it becomes we become aware of things. We can have proximity of heart where we have the empathy of wanting to help them. But that doesn't necessarily mean it leads to action. We can send a lot of thoughts and prayers because of things that we become aware of. But we see through the work of Jesus, the work of God, that it also takes a step of humbling of self to take action to move into the lives of others. It takes action in order to create community. So that's what we are stepping out to do. It hasn't been easy. We've already hit bumps along the road and we will continue to, but every step of the way, God has continued to bless. As we continue to learn the stories of the people in Halton City, as we get to meet fantastic, loving people like you, as we get to maintain relationships with all those that we have met and get to share the stories with people in the church that we have worked with previously, a church called Legacy. That we've been able to share and stay in relationship with them as we connect and bridge these gaps between different people groups and different communities in different areas. Because when we humble ourselves and step into take action, community begins to develop. And that's what the church was and always was meant to be. And so that leads us into a time that we gather together every week, that we get to gather around these tables, these spaces that we have with bread and with juice, that if we can approach it without thinking about it, without taking it too seriously, if we just come and just do it without doing it, you can be in proximity with people, but you could be missing the community that it can provide. Jesus didn't come and live and die and then rise again so that we could just be physically present with one another or so that we could be mindfully present. He didn't want just us to be present where we experience empathy. He also wanted deeper than that. He came so that community could be provided. So that when we approach these tables and we reflect on what Christ has done for us, when we take the bread, reminding him of his body, when we take the juice, reminding him of his sacrifice that he made, that we are reminded that it doesn't end just by the presence of his death, but we move into life because of the new life that was created when he conquers the grave. And that we too, when we lay our lives down, we enter into this space to reflect on not just How does this make me feel good? But instead, how does this convict me to go and be present with people after this to hear their stories and to lower myself to be with them? So as we come to the table this morning, I pray that we will quiet our hearts, that we will seek to minimize the distractions, And that we will instead seek to allow the Spirit to come in and question us. And to inspire us to, what is it, God, that you are calling me to this week? And may our time in communion at each of these tables be a time where we can reflect on that. And then take that into action this week. Let's pray together. God, we are so easily distracted by so much that can happen in this world. We can become so busy. we can even have the most well-intentioned of actions that we take in order to be good people, in order to be more kind, in order to do the things we believe you have called us to do. And yet, we can miss the people that you have called us to that are right in front of us. God, it's so easy to see self-indulgence in ourselves and it's unintentional in many ways. But God, I pray that we will lower ourselves, that we will humbly seek to ask, where are you leading us to? Who are you leading us to? And that when the spirit moves and that when we feel that calling that action step father may we boldly and graciously step into it god i pray that during this time of communion that you will move the hearts of each of us and that you will put an action step in each of our hearts and our minds to take this week to be present with others to hear their stories and seek ways that we can lower ourselves so that they may be elevated so that they may know jesus We pray that all this will happen now, Father, as we take time to share this community together. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.